Hello, boys and girls of Credit Union Land, and welcome to a special Mother's Day edition of the CU Insight Experience. My name is Randy Smith, and I am one of the co-founders and publisher of CUInsight.com, and it is my job on the show to have conversations with the best and the brightest from around the credit union community. I get to pick their brains and see if we can't find a few nuggets we can all learn from. My guest on today's show is my favorite mom, my partner, and the human I get to explore this world with, Jill Nowacki. Jill was one of our first and most popular guests so far, and after her first appearance, we started talking about doing this Mother's Day edition to talk about what it means to be a mom and a professional, the expectations we put on women to be superhuman, and also some of the pitfalls that come along with those expectations, whether it's intentional or not. On this episode, we dig more into doing what lights you up that she mentioned the first time she was on the show. We talk about if this changes or should change when you become a parent. We talk about the pressures placed on moms by society and by themselves. We spend quite a bit of time discussing core values and how they play into our personal and professional lives. Do you happen to have a personal mission statement? Jill has for 10 years. It's what she lives by, and she has some tips on how we can all create our own. We wrap up this episode, as we always do, with the rapid-fire questions, but we added a Mother's Day twist to them. This was a lot of fun to record. We did it one night after Jill got home from work from the office over a bottle of wine. Not a bad way to get to do what I do. I hope you have as much fun listening as we had creating this. So, without further ado, I wish all you superhuman moms out there a happy Mother's Day, and I give you my conversation with Crosby's mom and my human, Jill Nowacki. Enjoy. Happy Mother's Day, Jill. Thank you. Thank you for being on this special episode of the CU Insight Experience. I'd like to start by saying Happy Mother's Day to my mom, who listens to the podcast to hear her baby boy's voice more often. I really should call more. And Happy Mother's Day to the CU Insight moms, Amanda and Robbie. When you were a guest on episode four of the podcast, you talked about people doing what lights them up. For people who didn't listen... Or as just a refresher for everyone else, can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So this idea of finding what lights you up is something that I've been spending a couple of years now thinking about and trying to find the answer to. And what precipitated that was that I was in a situation where I felt like I was just letting myself get so busy that I was spending all my time doing things and going through the motions, but I wasn't really clear on what it is that really brought me joy and made me feel excited and passionate about life. Do do you think that what lights you up changes when you become a mother? Or should it change when you become a mother? Maybe another question. Yeah, and good, very well-linked questions. I think that there are certainly things about becoming a mother that absolutely bring women joy that they've never known before. I think, though, that the the biggest change that many moms feel is that when they become a mother, they stop knowing what it is that really lights them up personally. And they, I think they start to feel as though it's hard to navigate sort of this brand new role they have. And they have so many ideas of what a perfect mother should look like. And it puts them in a place where they're less likely to feel really good about pursuing their own interests before unless everything is taken care of in their role as a mom. It's such an interesting thing. And and every show, as you know, I, I ask the 
surprise question that it still surprises me that it's a surprise a lot of the times, but uh, <laughs> it's one that people don't prepare for, I think. And the question is, who's the first person you think of when you hear the word success? And by far, mom is the most popular answer. I, I should have went back and looked, but I bet it's about 75%. We all love our moms. Do you think that's because of the sacrifices moms make for all of us? I think when we become adults, we get blown away by all the things that we realize at that point that our moms had done. So, you know, when we're young, we love the way our moms make us feel. And in many cases, we're the center of their world, or at least we think they are. You know, they make sure our needs are met, that we feel special and loved. And then we get a little older and we realize that even though we thought we were the center of the universe, our moms actually had a lot of other stuff going on too. So, you know, they're doing all of this stuff for us while they're also managing whatever else they have going on. On in their lives. So jobs, you know, our other siblings who also feel like they're the center of mom's universe. Um, well, well, maybe I was, <laughs> I was the center of my mom's universe. So even ask my sister. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true. Um, but then they also have, you know, they, they end up with that role of the default parent. They end up having to manage the adult relationships and the other family relationships. And it just looks absolutely superhuman to us the way that they end up juggling all of these things. So we get into adulthood and we think, holy cow, how did, how did mom do all of that? That's what a success she was in being able to manage all of those. And often with a lot of grace still through that too. Is it, uh, we're recording this at night at home. Is it the wine uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that we are drinking while we record this? To me, that sounds like a lot of pressure to place on themselves. I guess the question would be, it's a lot of pressure, but is it pressure that's put on by themselves or is it societal pressure? I... I think we put it on ourselves a lot, but I don't think that we make it up. So, you know, there's a reason that there are, and, and, you know, any mom who's been on Pinterest is going to relate to this, but there's, um, there's this abundance of, you know, memes and self-care strategies and social media posts that affirm that it's okay to be less than perfect. But I think sometimes even just that suggestion that like, it's okay if you're not perfect means you should be striving to be perfect. And I think there's also a lot of workplace pressure, most of it accidental. But there are things that are happening at work still for working moms that suggests that there's a bias toward the idea that women are supposed to be kind of the full-time default parent, even if they do have careers too. And so like an example of that? I was just going to say, is could you share some examples, I guess, of that pressure or maybe the expectation or maybe and how does that affect careers? Yeah. Quite honestly. So here's a, I'll take a, one thing we could do is organizations and, and maybe in some organizations they do this already, but in a lot of places, when a when a woman is getting ready to become a mother, the workplace, the HR manager will meet with her and talk about the benefits and what happens with this new addition of a family member. And maybe the department holds a baby shower. And there's a lot of celebration that goes along this. And a lot of times when dads are getting ready to become a father for the first time, it's kind of like, oh, do you need to take a couple of days off? Or it, you know, it's not necessarily met with that same celebration of this new role that a dad is moving into as well. There are even statistics that show even in those countries where they have parental leave that's equally available to both parents, it ends up that in most cases, it's still the mom that's more likely to take that parental leave than the dad is. And so whatever sort of bias or social pressure is in place that, that somewhat deters 
the father from even being able to have the option of stepping into that default role too, or that truly shared parenting role. So once the once the leave is taken and people come back to work, is the mom now looked at it a different way in the company as well, I guess, or the, the organization? I think they might be. And here's something that honestly, like I maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I feel like I've probably been guilty of it too, where there are times when I may be considering you know, something like an, a late night event or an overnight work trip. And I may, as a manager, consider whether or not a working mom could go on that trip. And I may not extend an invitation as quickly because I don't want to put pressure on this mom to have to find a babysitter or figure out her parenting strategy when it's not, you know, maybe I feel like I'm being empathetic by doing that, but it's not my role to do that. If she she gets to choose how she wants to balance her parenting and her work, and I shouldn't be the one doing that. But I think a lot of times in the workplace, we do that with our working mom employees. I, I have a scratch my own niche question okay. here. As you know, I have Robbie is a fairly new mom at CU Insight. So as a leader, is the important thing there then communication to find out what I mean, is it just asking every single time? And a lot of the times people feel guilty if they have to say no or want to say no or whatever it happens to be. But is proper communication or is a good line of communication uh, an important part of that as a leader or – Important communication is always important <laughs> as a leader. It's important in other personal relationships too. Um, but um, we, we, we like to talk. <laughs> um, you know, I I think it probably depends on the individual employee and sort of their own tolerance for their ability to say no. It definitely seems like if you can have a conversation on the front end where you say, you know, listen, I, I respect this new role you have. I also respect and value you tremendously and as an employee, and I'm going to keep treating you like I treat the rest of the team. I'm going to keep putting the same options out, the same opportunities out, and you still have the same flexibility that anyone else on the team has to say what does and doesn't work for the rest of your life. And it gives them the out, but it also makes sure that that you're owning that role of continuing to treat your employees equally and with that same opportunity that you would extend to any other employee. I think where it becomes a bit of a challenge is that a lot of times the employee, even with the best communication from the manager, the employee may feel this tremendous pressure to still be everything and do everything and not let any ball drop. I was at a global women's leadership breakfast in 2018. I actually had Amanda from your team with me there. And I remember her and I looking at each other when we heard this quote and just having this moment of, oh, I feel that bonding where the speaker said, you know, this idea that you can be anything has become you must be everything. And so it's created this situation for most people want to be good at the things they sign up for. And I think often for working moms, that means trying to be really good at everything and it's a everything is a is a hard burden to carry boy yeah that doesn't sound like balance to me and and as you know from conversations balance is a, a never-ending struggle that i'm in the search of even our early conversations in the beginning of our relation focused a lot around balance and, and shared values that we both have would you be willing to share with our listeners some of like what your core values are 
Absolutely. So, and, and yeah, knowing my values has definitely been part of what I've had to do in order to try to find my own balance. So my two values are growth and enthusiasm or or passion. Either one is probably interchangeable. I want to be constantly excited about what is possible. How did you find your values? Like, how did you come up with those? Was there an exercise or something that you went through originally to to do that? There is. Yeah, there's um I actually had two they sort of simultaneously coexisted in in the way that we end up finding things in simultaneous ways. And so one is Brené Brown's book Dare to Lead. She has some great exercises in there that help people try to call their values. And then yeah, I, I mentioned him in my last podcast too, but Leo Ardeen, I had brought him in as a speaker for an executive education program that we hosted at the at the league in Connecticut and he took us through this exercise and um sometimes I sit in on the classes. He was a new speaker for us, so I happened to sit in on that one and man, I probably got as much out of it as any one of the actual attendees for the class did, but that's where I really came down to to refining growth and passion as my two values. Well, just like in every podcast, we will link to to all the books and resources mentioned throughout in the show notes. Leo will actually be on the podcast too, so that is very exciting. Hopefully, he can share some of those nuggets with that that you gained from. Yeah, your listeners will be better for listening to that episode for sure. You know what? After having the conversation, I agree with you completely. There, how do you integrate your values? I mean, you now you knew what they were, you know what they are. How do you integrate those both into parenting as well as your professional life? So in parenting, I find that because those are the things that I care about, I spend a lot of time just trying to create these experiences with Crosby that open his eyes to parts of the world that he didn't know existed and trying to get... Way to use the... uh the movement tagline there. Open your eyes. <laughs> oh, right, a, right. A, a marketer at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Join Sorry. a credit union. Um, yeah, right. Um, so, and you know, I want him to get excited about what the world has to offer and for him to feel like, you know, it's, it's his world to pursue and chase. And because of my values, I sometimes struggle to get him onto a routine. If we have the chance to do something that we've never done before and learn from that, of course we should. And, and sometimes that's more important than making sure we get dinner at the same time every night. Do you have a favorite one of those that you just were like, we have time. Let's go do it. Let's go do something. I do. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we were had some rare weekend where we didn't have plans. And so Friday evening, we got home and I was like, this is awesome. We can have a, you know, a little slumber party, stay up a little late and watch a movie. And we happened to watch the movie Muppets Take Manhattan. And um, in it, Miss Piggy gets her purse stolen in Central Park. And then she roller skates off these rocks that Crosby and I were like, that'd be pretty fun. So tomorrow morning, let's get up and take the train into New York City. It ended up being his first experience watching a Broadway play. So he was little. He must have been maybe, it must have been two or three years ago. So he was four or five at the time. And he still teases me about that weekend. We were going to do nothing, but we went to New York City instead. Uh, nothing about that surprise. Yeah. Me, so. <laughs> uh, you know, besides your core values, what other core values uh, maybe that differ from yours do you see other working moms have? 
Yeah. And maybe this is a good example, too, of the pressure we put on ourselves as parents. So even though I know my values, there's still this part of me that's like, oh, but if I could only be a little bit more like, and who typically comes to mind are, are like parents who value stability because it's so far from what I have and, and how I parent. So I look at these parents who have stability and they're the moms who have their routines down and they have meal plans and they have specific places in the house where the homework goes and the chore charts are. And, um, it's just not, as you know too well, maybe it's just not me. And, and when I try to stick to a schedule like that, I find myself anxious about what we might be missing out on that we are not doing instead of, you know, staying home, making sure the homework got done. And so every now and then I'll get into this idea that I should create more stability and routine, but then I feel like we're really missing out on experiencing life. Is, is there anything, again, I think it seems like uh, there's, there's just a lot of pressure out there to, to, <laughs> to, to conform. But as you know, one of the reasons we get along so well is I believe we create our own lives. So, uh, you, you wrapped up your previous appearance on the podcast, uh, episode four, which we'll link to also below. Everybody should listen to it. It was amazing. By saying what this world needs is for people to show up as their truest self, knowing and living with their values. So you were talking about values the last time as well. What difference do you see in your parenting um, when you're you find yourself, say, living outside those values? Yeah. So – I can't say like, oh, if I'm, you know, if I'm in my values, I'm chill and go with the flow. Cause I mean, let's be real. Nothing about me is laid back ever under any circumstances, but I'm certainly a lot more fun when I'm not living with a gap between who I am and who I want to be. So I can, when I'm living in my values, things do flow more easily. They are, you know, I feel more energized. I feel good. I'm more likely to be present in the moment that I'm in. And um, when I'm living outside my values or I'm trying to force myself into something that doesn't feel like what really lights me up and energizes me, I end up getting kind of snappy. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and nobody likes that. Nobody likes to be a snappy parent and, and, our, and our kids don't typically respond well when we, when we snap at them either. So do, do you have any tips for if somebody say sitting, they're driving in their car right now, the listener who doesn't feel very balanced in life at this point, maybe they feel like they're juggling too much, too many balls in the air. Yeah. So I know you're familiar with that expression that if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I, I'm, I, I like saying no. I yeah. know we, we differ there. <laughs> so <laughs> quite a bit. Um, so I'm more likely to say, well, if it's not a hell no, then it's a sure. Why not? So I do say yes a lot and I rarely regret it. But that doesn't mean that I can't get to a situation where I feel like I have too much on my plate. There are those moments. And what I found is that as long as I'm making choices and saying yes to the things that help me grow or things that I'm excited about. So going back to those values that I have, then it doesn't tend to feel like it's too much. But when I find myself saying yes to things that I'm saying yes to because I feel like I should do them rather than because they're actually energizing me, that's, that's what wipes me out and wears me down. So. I guess all of that to say, I think if you know your values, you can incorporate them into your guiding principles. And then that helps you decide what's really important to to say yes to and what balls you really want to keep up in the air versus those that you're, you know, throwing in just to to have some more things to juggle. So for for those who don't know us personally, our story started with me on the other side of the world, and we had a lot of time where we were able to just 
talk and talk about a lot of different things. One of the first things that I do remember you saying was that a decade ago, you created, you really defined your own personal mission statement. And I remember at the time that blew me away. Can you share with the listeners what your mission statement is? My purpose is to help others realize their highest potential. Can you expand on that? <laughs> I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's, I, I, I know what type of conversation that sparked in us and it has over time. Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So it is, as you know, I am deeply curious about people. I find them fascinating. I love learning about them. We talked about one of my values being passion or enthusiasm. The thing that I will always be passionate about or enthusiastic about is this chance to meet and connect with and build relationships with other people. And then we talk about my other value being growth. So it, there's something that I just hit my sweet spot when I pull together this situation where I am helping others grow because it like scratches my itch on curiosity of other people. So it plays into the space that I'm enthusiastic about. And it also is me fulfilling what I think is so important in the world, which is growth and advancing others, lifting others up. You and I both share that idea that we're constantly growing. It's just, it's, it's a place that we connect and it's that curiosity, I think, that does keep us going, whether it's in travel or everyday life. Is that something that you hope to instill in your son, Crosby? I do. I want him to be curious and I want him to feel like anything is possible. There's an Obama quote, and I think I learned it in the book Becoming by Michelle Obama, but I think she attributes it to, to Barack Obama. And it's this idea of like, you have to be comfortable living in the world you are in while also imagining the possibilities of what the world may be. And if I could create a, a little human that feels comfortable in the world that he's in, that he's surrounded by, but is also constantly inspired to make the world a better place, I will feel like I've achieved a, a, a parenting win for sure. Oh, that sounds like the idea that, you know, again, we talked about it earlier in the show, but the idea that ending the show with when you hear the word success, what does that look like? It, I would almost say that sounds like when you hear the word success associated with Crosby, what does that look like? It was a, I, I love that statement so much. Man, I miss that guy, that Obama fellow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that, but I don't care. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, I am who I am. Uh, and any, any tips or advice for uh, someone who like would want to work on their own personal mission statement? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's, I feel like I'm sort of beating this in, but yeah, get clear on your own values. Um, you know, know when you feel energized, know when you feel like you're in the flow. And, and then just like an organization, keep that personal mission statement straightforward and easy to remember. I mean, I'm able to reel mine off like it's nothing. And it's not only because I've had it for 10 years. It's because it's, it's pretty short and to the point. It's, uh, I, so. absolutely. Well, that's how a mission statement should be, shouldn't it? Right. Right. Before we move on, we're going to have a little bit of fun in the end with some rapid fire questions. Just uh, even though this is a special Mother's Day edition, we made some, special Mother's Day rapid fire questions. But before we go there, do you have final thoughts or anything else like when you're, and I would say this, when you're talking specifically to working moms, is there anything that you would like to put out there to all of them on this Mother's Day? Oh, so much. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many, uh, you know, it's a, uh, being a working mom is sort of a, a, a club all its own where I think there's a lot of, um, 
there are a lot that we can kind of share in just the, hey, I'm a working mom, where it's kind of like, oh, I know what that means uh, for a lot of us. But I think that something that is really important and that I I want to see more moms strive for is that knowing what it is that lights them up, but, but actually feeling good about pursuing that and not pursuing joy with a side of guilt because your own joy comes after everyone else is done or your job as a mom is done, which I mean, let's be real. Our jobs as moms are never done. I'm sure your mom feels like her job as a mom will never be done. And so she's still parenting you. So. I, I was just going to say, <laughs> you, you, you talk to Linda as much as I do. So. <laughs> um, but you know, I hope that I hope that we're continuing to move toward a world where women are feeling so much value in themselves for who they are and not for what they do. And that uh, I still think there's a lot of perception out there that sort of she who sacrifices the most wins. And I hope to see more and more women feeling more comfortable about you know she who's truest to her authentic self wins instead. I think that is beautiful. So now we're going to have a little bit of fun. All right. That to me was absolutely perfect. I'd like to wrap it up with the special Mother's Day edition of the Rapid Fire Questions. As always, the questions are rapid. Your answers don't have to be. You mentioned experiences are important to you as a mother. Do you have a favorite experience with your son, Crosby? I do. So a couple of years ago, he was, as you know, I'm a, uh, I co-parent with his father and I'm not in a relationship with his father. And so we split some holidays and uh, it happened to be my year to have Crosby for Thanksgiving. And we were debating what we wanted to do. And I, I had him fairly convinced that it was going to be a great year to go out and see my family in Oregon. And, um, he was ready for it. And then one day he was watching a show and he came sprinting into the kitchen and said, mom, I really want to see the Eiffel Tower. And I said, well, you can go see all your cousins and grandpa. Or we can go to Paris and see the Eiffel Tower. It turned out that the, the tickets were about the same price and the flight times were about the same. And he chose the Eiffel Tower. And so it was kind of, it wasn't totally on a whim, but it was, it was a, a little shorter planning than I would normally do. And we ended up having a great time, just the two of us in Paris for, for Thanksgiving that year. It was a fantastic experience to share with him. I think he still talks about the crepes. So. <laughs> yeah, we had different highlights of the trip, maybe, but yeah. So. <laughs> Is there something you say to Crosby so often he could finish your sentence? <laughs> And I, and I laugh as I say, yeah. Because if um, you answer anything but one thing, I, I so I know I'm I'm gonna give two though. The the one that makes him roll his eyes the most is that somehow I've gotten into the habit of saying I love your guts, and he hates it now when I say it in front of his classmates at school. Um, but um, but the the thing that those of you listening, Crosby's in second grade. So. <laughs> um, but but the thing that unfortunately, and I, I wish I didn't, but I have to say it multiple times a day like multiple times a day is where are your socks put on your socks and so that's probably the one he expects me to say the most i feel like that's almost an alarm clock for me in the house so. <laughs> it's time to go <laughs> we're getting ready to leave uh if you have a free day one without school or birthday parties what does that look like for you and crosby 
Oh, well, it depends. I mean, right? Because I just told you the story about the last time we had a free day. We ended up on a train to New York City without necessarily that being planned. I think what I value is that idea that when we have a free day, I like giving him the opportunity to weigh in on what we should do and to be able to say yes to his ideas. I think that's a a critical part of being able to get him into that curiosity about the world and feeling like the world is accessible. So, um, you know, one day it was New York City and sometimes it's probably sitting home watching movies and playing Battleship. <laughs> We're having Josh Gates help brainwash him into wanting to see more of the world. So. <laughs> Expedition unknown. Yeah, yes. shout out to Jill Tomlin I- on that introduction. Say, I think that was Jill that, uh, that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that made that yeah. introduction. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> I-, I know Harry Potter. It's all Harry Potter right now. But do you have a, a favorite book that you read to Crosby when he was younger? I do. And... um you know, goodness, he was really little because I think we still lived in Oregon at the time when I remember him saying this for the first time. The The book is called Love You Forever. And there are probably a lot of parents out there that are like, oh, right now. But um, for a long time, whenever I read that book to Crosby or we were pulling it out, he didn't know it by its title. He just knew it was that book that makes mommy cry every time we read it. So <laughs> I have a special nostalgic place in my heart for that one. Well, that is the perfect spot to wrap it all up. You, you, you probably have some people getting some tears in their eyes. So <laughs> I will wrap this all up by saying, I hope you have a happy Mother's Day, my love. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. 